There was a time when, when my wife and I, you know, many years ago when we were having kids and we would talk about the names. Have you been in that place where what are we going to name? It's not like naming a puppy, right? You've got to give this child a name that is going to stand out. It's going to speak of who they are. It's just going to tell you everything about them, right? Uh, because names are important. And uh, I went online this week and just looked up uh, names, and I came across a list of names here whose the, the parents should have thought a little bit longer before they actually <laughs> named these kids. And I just want to share a few of them with you as, as we're getting started here. Um, there was a child in 2019 whose name, what, the given name is Felony. Felony. But to keep it classy, they spelled it with a PH, not an F. Felony, yeah. How about this one? Nutella. We know what she was craving while she was pregnant, right? Nutella. Uh, linoleum. How do you come up with linoleum? Are you walking through Home Depot and you're just going through the flooring section and you see that big roll back there and you go, I've just always liked the name linoleum. I mean, that child's growing up a little bit and getting in a fuss with mama and mama's going, linoleum, get up off that floor, girl, what's wrong with you? Here you go. Orangelo. Orangelo. Spelled O-R-A-N-G-E-J-E-L-L-O. Orange Jello. Yeah, Orange Jello and Nutella are going to get together, right? And this is the one that takes a cake for me. Somebody named their child Tallulah Does the Hula from Hawaii. Tallulah Does the Hula from Hawaii. Now, normal people, you know, they name their children after relatives, right? Or maybe some literary character. When Lisa and I uh, were getting married, she came into the marriage with a name for our oldest daughter, Elise, named after a character in a television show that she liked back in the 80s. Some people name their kids after Bible characters, right? See, in today's society, people just throw things out there, and it's more like mom and dad sometimes want the attention. I'm going to give this, this kid a name that's going to get me attention, but in Bible times, names were given for specific reasons. There was a declaration that they were making. There was something that they were saying. As this child is being born, they are making a declaration over this child. Think about the name Abram. Abram, father of, of faith, Abram. The name Abram literally means fatherly or exalted father, a fatherly figure. But God said that wasn't good enough for him. When he came into covenant with God, God changed his name, right? He went from fatherly, he went from Abram to Abraham, which means father of a multitude or father of nations. God changed his name because God was declaring something over him that he saw true about him. Now, we're going to talk about a few names this morning. 
We started a lesson series called Thankful. And this morning, I just want to be, I want to give you a few names that we can be thankful for. Okay? Uh, I, I, did a, I did a search, and I came across a, a website that had 950 names of God. 950. Now, they weren't all names. A lot of them were de- describing uh, God. But 950 of these. And every one of them describes his character, his ability. And I'm thankful for each and every one of them. They go from Alpha, Alpha and Omega to, to Yahweh. But I want to take just a, a couple of these names, just a few of these names. And I want to share them. I don't think there's going to be any, any, any great revelation this morning. It's probably nothing that you haven't heard, but it's something that we should be thankful for, something that we should remember. In Judges chapter 6, we see the story of Gideon. Very familiar passage of Scripture. The, the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon. And in verse 23, it says, But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So here's the first name that I'm thankful for. The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Going on in verse 24, it says, Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. To this day, it still stands in Ophrah. Now, when the book of Judges was being written, it still stood there. Now, that physical altar may not still be in this same place, but guess what? That altar is still alive in the Spirit. That place called Jehovah Shalom, that place of peace, because Jehovah Shalom is still alive today. That same God that met with Gideon is still alive. He is still able. He is still working. And he's still saying peace to you. Peace to you. In Philippians 4, 7, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The God of peace shall what? Guard your heart and your mind. But before he even gets to that place, he throws in this little piece, which surpasses all understanding. Surpasses all understanding. What does that mean? No matter how hard you try, you're never going to figure this out. How in the midst of trials and tests and trouble, how in the midst of all kinds of hell just swirling around you, that God can bring absolute peace to your mind, and to your heart. When everybody else is saying the world is falling apart, when everybody else is saying it's not going to turn out good, when everybody else is saying it's not going to work this time, Jehovah Shalom is still there. The God of peace is still alive. That same God that spoke to Gideon is the same God that speaks to you. He says, peace, peace, peace. In Mark 4, there's the story of uh, Jesus and the disciples leaving one shore and going to another shore. They'd been doing ministry, and Jesus was tired, and he went to take a nap. It says in verse 37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, 
You ever felt like the winds and waves were breaking into your boat? Has life ever got that rough where it's like, ah, the winds and waves are breaking in the boat, God. Hello. But he was in the stern asleep. And they woke him. And they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You know, that's, that's honest. Some people will say, don't say that to Jesus. Don't be that honest with God. He knows you're thinking it. Right? I've been very, very, very honest with God. It's okay to be honest with God. It's okay to, to speak some things. It's okay to, to, to let God have your heart and hear your heart, even if your heart is in a bit of trouble at the time. It's a whole lot better to tell him than to tell that nosy neighbor down the street. That one that will agree with you, God doesn't care. But when you tell God, when you release it to God, man, there's this amazing thing that happens. He still loves you. And he still wants to show up. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke. And he rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was great calm. That Greek word there, peace, it's C-O-P-I-O. C-O-P-I-O. And it means an involuntary stillness or the inability to speak, to be made mute. When Jesus gets involved in your situation, he brings peace. And he brings such a peace that even the wind, the waves, and the storm, no matter what it is, it has an involuntary shut your mouth. That's the God we serve. We don't serve Tinkerbell. God loves you. Ding. God loves you. Ding. No, we serve the God that shows up and even the winds and the waves must obey him. And he steps into your situation. But when we experience the storms, are we calling on God for peace? Are we calling on God for peace? Now, as I go through this today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a few people up here. Because you guys get to hear my stories all the time, right? This is Eric Wolbrook. If you don't know Eric, that's because he spends all of his time right back there in the booth, hidden. But this is a man of God. A man of God. I love just getting to talk to this guy. And I've brought him up here because if you haven't heard his testimony, there's a lot of peace that has come. So I'm going to let him share just a little bit of uh, his experience with Jehovah Shalom. For almost five decades, my life was in chaos. And that stemmed from the fact that everything that I did, everything that I thought revolved around me. I lived the most selfish and self-centered life you could ever find. Unfortunately, that life then was full of all sorts of turmoil and tribulation. I didn't, I didn't know what in the world to do. It was me, nobody else, regardless of what my intentions were. But I was blessed. I was extremely blessed a few years ago. 
I walked into this church. You know, this, this is about thankful. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people I'm thankful for in this world. But if it weren't for Mark and Sam and Chris, I don't think I'd be standing here today. Maybe one of them would have thought enough of me to preach my funeral. They taught me that God was always there. I was just ignoring him. All I had to do was turn to him and be willing to surrender. To turn my thoughts and my actions over to him. To do what he wanted me to do, not what I wanted to do. I have problems in my life, and if there's anybody out there that does not have a problem, you got a problem. Okay? But they taught me to accept whatever was going on today is the way it is supposed to be. I serve a God that doesn't make any mistakes. That's the way it's supposed to be today. Live with it, deal with it. When I turned my thoughts and my actions over to God and tried to live my life doing what he wanted me to do, I found a peace that surpasses all understanding by far. You know, Paul talked about being joy, having joy in the trial and the tribulation. And that comes from the other side of it. That's where my joy is because what I've learned is joy is Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. And when I got out of the way and realized that my purpose and my plan on this life was to be of maximum service to God and to other people, I can accept absolutely everything in this world the way it happens. I'm no longer of this world. I just live in it until I get to go home where I'm going to be. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for what you've done for me. And Mark, wherever you are, thank you for what you've done for me. All right, moving on. In Exodus 15, Exodus 15, verse 25, says, There the Lord made them a statute. That's statute, not statue. Statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. So here's the second name that I'm thankful for, the Lord our healer, or Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha, let me ask you a question. Have you diligently listened all your life? Have you always done what is right? Have you always given ear to his commandments? And have you kept all his statutes? See, God right here, he said that's the requirement, right? Have you done all of that? Me either. Good thing Jesus has, right? Jesus did. In Isaiah 53, 5, 
But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. With his wounds, we are healed. Other translations say stripes. Another translation says scourging. It is very apparent about what is being prophesied about right here. It's not just a, a, a spiritual healing. Yes, thank God for that. But it is a physical healing by his stripes, by his scourging, by his wounds. Isaiah says, we are healed. And then when Peter is writing, he turns and he says, by his stripes, you were healed. He put the stamp on it. Jesus has already come. Jesus has already paid the price. Everything that needs to be done, he has already done it. He has already purchased it. He has already done what needs to be done. In Acts 10, 38, it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Do you hear that? Healing all who, that were oppressed of the devil. Now, is, is, is some sickness not oppression of the devil? Is that a trick question? He healed all who were oppressed of the devil. These are places of oppression that God wants us healed from. Well, that was Jesus, you know. When he lived on the earth, that was just him. Well, thankfully, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did then, he's doing today. What he paid for then is still paid for today. Jehovah Rapha is still in power. He's still in control. And he's still healing today. One thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to hear from somebody who God has just recently done a dramatic healing in. This is Savannah. Savannah really pastors the church. <laughs> she really makes sure everything happens. She just keeps us in line. So Savannah, would you share what the Lord has done in your life? So I thought it was really cool that Pastor Roger said that he said something about how when we give something a diagnosis, when we give something a name, we can show it a greater name. And that's exactly my testimony. Um, when I was born, I was diagnosed with hydrocephalus, which means there's fluid um, on your brain, and they put in a shunt. And they say it's a lifelong condition. Um, and so just before we went to Romania, um, God, we were praying, and the story of the paralyzed man came to my mind because his friends took him to Jesus. Um, and all my life I've prayed, be with the surgeons who revise my shunt. Be with the doctors who I have to see. Um, but this time I had friends like Pastor Chris and others who were asking for complete healing. And so that's the first part of it is that... Um, I get to know the name of God as healer because my friends didn't just stop at be with the surgeons. They said, heal her completely. And the Lord decided that it was time. And so he healed me completely of hydrocephalus, which doesn't happen. 
And so he did that. And then also, um, I've just, my whole life, I've just had these prayers of kind of, honestly, complacency. I've had this my whole life, and there's nothing, you know, just help me get through it. Um, But then a few months ago, Pastor Chris called me out for my ear, which also I've had since I was little, and they just said, okay, we'll mask it with hearing aids. Um, And then just a few months ago, most of you were probably here, but um, we prayed over my ear, and I just felt this warmth. And then I went out and um, just could hear again in my left ear, and it's been a constant reminder of God's faithfulness. And his, and his healing in my life. So God as healer has become so much more real to me this year. And I'm just so thankful that he is still healing today. Amen. Amen. Oh, well, Pastor Chris, you know that's just for the special ones, right? She is special. She is special. I promise you that. But there's this wonderful verse in Romans 8. That says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that same spirit will even make alive your mortal body. Does the spirit of God dwell in you? Are you born again? Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this. If the spirit of God dwells inside of you, the spirit... That spirit is the same spirit that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. And that spirit now dwells in you. And there's so much life and there's so much power when the spirit comes to dwell in us that it makes alive even our mortal body. I just think about it. The spirit comes in and it forces out. It drives out things that don't belong things that are not of God, things that do not bring God glory. That's a lifetime of of walking with him. The more we connect with the spirit, the more it just drives out everything that's not of God. Amen. All right. Let's finish up with this. Luke 1, 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, I could go down that list of 950 names that I found, but there's one name that's above them all. I am thankful for the name of Jesus. Jesus, the the name literally means Jehovah is salvation. The name of Jesus, Philippians 2 tells us, That Jesus being found in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. The name of Jesus. I'm thankful for Jehovah Shalom. I'm thankful for Jehovah Rapha. I'm thankful for that whole list of 950 names, but they are all wrapped up in the name of Jesus. 
Every, every name of God that we could come up with is wrapped up in the name of Jesus. That's why he has a name that's above every other name. That's why at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Because the name of Jesus is the most powerful force in the universe. When it's used by a believer. The name of Jesus. We were singing that song earlier, right? There's power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. Acts 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In a world that wants to mix everything and say everything is okay and everybody's okay, there is one name by which we may be saved. There is one name by which we will see the Father. There is one name, the name of Jesus. Most of you know Matt, but you may not know a lot of his backstory. Matt's been around since he was in the youth group. Yes. So I've asked Matt to come up and just share a little bit of, of his testimony and his salvation story. Um, and I've really been trying to figure out what all to share, where to start. But, you know, really the a generational curse in life that was that is big on my family, especially the men in my family, that the Lord just really reminded me of this year is just the, um, of imprisonment. Um, I have a brother, um, who's currently, um, serving and he'll be in prison for his life. I grew up with a father who was never home because he was in prison. His father was in prison and just the, I mean, just the torment, the darkness, the life without Christ, where that set my family. And, um, and I'll be, I mean, I was going down that same path. Um, and, you know, just from a, a broken home and always searching for that, you know, that comfort. And it was, it was drugs and alcohol as a junior high student. Um, it was, it was always something. And then, I mean, truly just finally getting connected to New Covenant and having uh, Pastor Corey, you know, mentor me and, and just teach me those things. You know, the more I let Christ in, the more that stuff got pushed out. It led to, you know, I knew, I'm like, hey, I've got to stop doing this. So this, this clique of friends, I would slowly, you know, it would just kind of push people away. But I realized I had, I had to get right in my heart. I had to let Christ in so that I could focus on, my, on myself to be truly free so that I can help set others free. And, um, and even in that testimony, one thing I like to let, you know, people know is it's, it didn't mean everything was, has been hunky-dory, you know, since then. I, I ran from Christ as well. Um, the whole youth group was telling me, don't go, don't go, but I left anyways. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but thankfully the Lord, you know, caught me. I was able to, I came back, got plugged back in. And, um, man, I'm just telling you, I've, I haven't had so much joy and peace in my life. And it's, it is truly from, 
from my salvation and truly knowing who Christ has called me to be and truly accepting myself as a son of God, um, which, which honestly I, I say happened really this year of accepting that sonship and, and knowing that, that I have, there's a new legacy to come forth for, for myself and for my family. Um, and Lord, he has, he's blessed me with an amazing, beautiful wife and four beautiful daughters. And, um, I, I think four, cause I always tease pastor Chris for being so emotional crying and he's got two. So the Lord gave me four and I, I cry all the time as well, but, um, just man, I mean, it is, it's just truly daily making that choice to continue that walk of salvation and to, to ask the Lord, you know, how to use you, you know, that day. And, and what else do you need to kill? I'm constantly getting rid of stuff. Amen. Thank you. Let me remind you, Matt, that uh, we've adopted a daughter, too, so that makes three. So you're going to get six. <laughs> why, did I, why did I do the service this way this morning? You know, week in and week out, I can come up here and, and I can tell you about God. Right? I can, I can share from my own experiences, but I can tell you about God. But I wanted you to see other people who are experiencing God. There was a whole group of people when Jesus came on the scene. They talked a lot about God. I mean, they studied they studied the word. Is studying the word a good thing? Absolutely. But they knew so much about God that they missed God when he showed up. I don't want us just to have an experience with Jesus that is, that is, is nothing but, but words. I want you to know there's a place of experiencing God. When the, when the world is just swirling around us, when the storms of life are coming, can we experience the peace of God? When I'm in a place where the doctors say, there's nothing I can do about it, can we experience Jehovah Rapha? But most of all, can we experience Jesus? Can we experience the one whose name is above every name? And not just to put a, a, you know, a stamp on me and say, I get to go to heaven, but daily, daily walk in his presence. Daily walk with him. Daily be who he's called us to be. Daily. Not just on Sundays, but daily. I want to be there. Do you want to be there? Do you want to experience Jesus every day? When I wake up in the morning, and I've been trying to teach myself this. The older I get, the more I get out of bed going, oh. <laughs> but instead, when I slide those legs over the side of the, the bed... I almost said chair. She doesn't make me sleep in a chair. <laughs> Side of a bed. Good morning, Lord. 
the first words out of my mouth, I want them to be praise. Lord, I praise you for this morning. I don't even know what the day is bringing yet, but Lord, I choose this morning to worship you. I choose that this day I will be your vessel. You will be my God. I will be your person. This day, this day, I want to experience God like that. Now, some days are better than others. Sometimes it's like, God, I don't want to get out of bed, but yeah, woo-hoo. And sometimes I wake up and it's just, it's already coming out of me. I can't wait. I can't wait to pick up the word, not because I want to memorize another verse, but because these are the exploits of my father. He has written a book to tell me all about his character. I am reading about my father. And I'm looking. This, this book is alive, as Hebrews says. It's alive. It's alive. I want to draw the life out of the word. I don't want just to, to say, well, I read my Bible today. There's life in it. I want to experience him. So when I'm thankful for his names, when we're talking about being thankful for his names, we're thankful for him. I'm thankful that no matter what situation I may ever, ever encounter, there is a name greater. The name of Jesus.